Hi, and welcome to North of 48. So, October, I almost said, it's August 22nd, soon to be August 23rd. It's 10 degrees Celsius out there, getting colder. The tops of the trees are yellow, and I think that's from the drought, not the cold. We've managed to get some rain along the prairies. Some of the fires are still going. 2021, I don't know, man, it must hate us all. Canada's getting ready for an election. The city of Edmonton and the city of Calgary are getting ready for their mayor elections. And I just happened to come across a few things, the silly things some people say. So let's talk about it after the break. I was Ronald Reagan in 1984. As a result of what he said, he said this during a pre-tape before he went on the air. And ABC Television, I believe, uh, had captured it. But new, news of this reached the Soviets, and uh, they responded. A wayward operator in the Soviet Far Eastern Command sent a coded message from Vladivostok that said, in part, we now embark on military action against the U.S. forces. They decoded the message, raised the alert in that part of the world. Soviet naval vessels in the North Pacific contacted Vladivostok in confusion. The U.S. never saw any evidence of Soviet attack preparations and the alert status was cancelled within 30 minutes. So, you never know what sets people off, eh? You never know um, a, a phrase, something, something just you're joking, you can almost start a war. And then when you try to say something that's right, something that will help people, you get jeered or booed out. In your freedoms, I do. You got to do what you have to do. But I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But you got, no, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms. But I happen to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know. But uh, you do have your freedoms. You have to keep, you have to maintain that. You have to maintain that. And you got to get your kids back to school. Well, it's kind of neat that he finally came around and he's saying you should get vaccinated. But it's also kind of neat he got some boos and jeers about doing it. Which brings us to Sunday in Portland for an event they called the Summer of Love. Far right groups gathered Sunday in Portland for an event. The event ended with a roving brawl 
along busy streets in the Park Rose neighborhood and shots being fired in downtown Portland. No one was reported injured in the shooting incident. Anti-fascists and far-left demonstrators gathered downtown early in the day to oppose the far-right gathering. The two sides clashed in northeast Portland after remaining separate for hours, leaving a spree of violence that stretched blocks. After the violence ended, an unidentified man fired a handgun at what appeared to be a group of anti-fascists downtown. Police moved in, arrested the man. They put a coat over his head so he couldn't be identified and took him. Earlier in the day, organizers of the far-right event announced they were moving their valley from the waterfront park in downtown to a commercial parking lot in northeast Portland. Hundreds of people with the anti-fascist groups congregated at Waterfront Park despite the relocation. Far-right activists, meanwhile, set up a stage on a small trailer in a commercial parking lot along Northeast 122nd Avenue. Photos and videos that were streamed online showed members of the Proud Boys a violent far-right group gathering and speaking at the conservative event. Among them was Tiny Tos, who has been convicted of engaging in violence at protests. We're not going to stand down, said Tiny. He added that his group was not playing this time, but said they did not have plans to leave the location on Sunday. Various speakers referred to people charged in the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol as political prisoners. As the demonstration continued, anti-fascists who had been at Waterfront Park began to gather outside the Proud Boys event. Throughout the day, members of each side exchanged words and debated each other, but no violence had taken place for the first few hours of the gathering. That changed just after 4 p.m. as the Proud Boys and anti-fascists ran along the avenue, exchanging paintballs and bear mace. Some people in the crowd threw mortar fireworks near a Chevron gas station, which had to close. Members of the anti-fascist crowd shouted at local journalists who were following the melee. One person reported they sprayed chemicals and paint at the journalists and one photographer was attacked and injured. But this is not, you can't corroborate it. Portland police, though, did not show up as the two sides clashed. Witnesses said the violence began when a white van attempted to pull into the parking lot where the Summer of Love event was taking place. Members of the Proud Boys flipped the van over. Witnesses said people got out of the van and started to run away as Proud Boys attacked them. I saw this dude beating a woman. It was like two ladies that got hit. It was a nightmare. It was terrifying, they said. The witnesses say they have lived in Portland for 15 years. And they decried the lack of police intervention in the violence that unfolded. It was in... Laurelhurst, a rich inner Portland neighborhood, wealthy, they would have shut this down already, witness said. 
During the clashes, Proud Boys were also captured on video attacking police and vehicles they believed to be with the anti-fascists. I, I, okay, first of all, I think anti-fascist is a good word. I think everybody should be an anti-fascist. If you're a fashionista, a fascist, that, that harks back to, of course, Germany and the and the SS and the Nazis. We went to war against the the Germans in the Second World War against the fascists. And I w would hope like heck that we don't have um, fas fascist uh, leaders in our, our lifetime leading our countries. Though, I have to admit, we've had racist ones. We've had ones that were not very truthful. And the list is endless. So Canada is now in an election. So we have all the major parties out, out and about. And unlike the United States, ours will be over in less than two months. It's called... They go campaign, and then we vote. We vote with a pencil and a paper, which then go into a ballot machine. No, no screwing around. We probably got a problem in this country. I personally don't know who to vote for. The cream is not rising to the top. I, If you're like me, you just wish that... Like when you're younger, you tended to believe in some of the leaders. I think as we get older, we find everybody's got their weaknesses and stuff. So we're, we're, we're looking for a candidate who will, will do at least what they say. Because usually the first lie out of their mouth is, if elected leader, I will promise. And uh, never happens, right? Never happens. What amazes me, though, is so Trump comes out and says you should be vaccinated. Then you get this crap, and uh, yeah, it's on Fox News. It's Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick blaming people for for the COVID spread in this state. Here's a clip. They're coming after your state uh, really quickly here, and as a response, coming after your state yes. because the increased COVID numbers, hospitalizations, deaths are up in Texas, uh, and there's a direct assault on your governor's policies and your state's policies. Yeah. Very brief response. Yeah. Well, Laura, the, the COVID is spreading, particularly uh, most of the numbers are with the unvaccinated, and the Democrats like to blame Republicans on that. Well, the biggest group in most states are African-Americans who have not been vaccinated. And the last time I checked, over 90% of them vote for Democrats in their major cities and major counties. So it's up to the Democrats to get, just as it's up to Republicans, to try to get as many people vaccinated. But we respect the fact that if people don't want the vaccination, we're not gonna force it on them. That's their individual right. But in terms of criticizing the Republicans for this, we're encouraging yeah. people who wanna take it to take it, but they're doing nothing for the African-American community that has a, a significant high yeah. number Number of unvaccinated TikTok people. So, so this fellow wants to run for governor of Texas, and he screwed up his numbers. By percentage, 38% of the 
black population in Texas is vaccinated, which is fewer than the 47% among whites and 45% among Hispanics and 68% among Asian Americans. But there's only 12.9% black people in Texas. And this is according to the U.S. Census data, compared to about 41% of the population for whites and 39% for Hispanics and 5% for Asian Americans. There are far more white and Hispanic people who are unvaccinated. So once again, political leadership uh, does its job, spins a tale that is not true. And that's, that, uh, I think we should all be sick of this. This is crap. Now the COVID rates around the world, New Zealand is in lockdown. They found one person and then they traced all the contacts and where he got it from me. I was talking to a fellow from New Zealand. Apparently he went north to an island, him and his wife, and somebody there had it and they brought it back into New Zealand. Well, the whole country went on a lockdown. Uh, the fellow from New Zealand says, I don't mind whatsoever. The prime minister is doing a good job. It's just the far right media that gives her a hard time. But for the most part, New Zealand's deaths have been significantly lower than most countries in the world. Australia had one guy who had the COVID and it spread well, they're in lockdown as well, and I, I believe it spread to two or 10,000 people because they didn't deal with it proper like, like their plan said they should. So while we're at it, uh, let's look at the world meter for the coronavirus cases. Currently, 212.5 million people have got coronavirus, COVID. There has been 4,444,000 deaths and there's been 190 million recovered. As far as cases go, the United States is still leading the world with over 38 million cases and 645,000 deaths. India comes in second with 32,449 million cases and they just got 337 new cases with 434,000 deaths. Brazil is working hard. They're in the number three spot, 20,570,000 cases with 574,000 deaths. Russia has 6,700,000 cases, 100,000 cases, with 176 million. So just in the top 10, you got the US, India, Brazil, Russia, France, the UK, Turkey, Argentina, Colombia, and Spain. There's a big difference between the number three and number fourth spot though. Brazil with 20 million, over, over 20 million, and Russia with 6,700,000. So that's a big, steep drop. Vietnam's also closed their borders. In Canada, there was 
1,468,000 cases and 26,792 deaths. I wonder though if all these numbers are right because um, could be some countries are under-reporting. We're not sure. Probably won't know for years if we do. But the latest Pfizer, oh my gosh. So if you got the Pfizer vaccine, after about eight months, apparently the antibodies start to get weaker and leave your system. So now they're pushing for a booster. United States government has come out in favor of a booster. Now, I personally got the AstraZeneca, which is the old-fashioned way, like the polio vaccine, compared to the mRNA ones of Pfizer and Moderna. So my question is, is the old-fashioned vaccines, if you got it, do you need a booster as well? See, we don't have this information once again. We're not allowed to have it, I guess, or nobody asks the right questions. Reporters are in the, you know, so most of the reporters work for like Ray, Raytheon in the case of, I believe, NBC, who own a controlling stake in that network. So they're not allowed to say too much about war, about who's profiting from war. And probably uh, who's profiting from the COVID. The stories coming out of the governments in the United States and Canada is that a lot of people got money, these big companies. Uh, I'm going to name one. Uh, WestJet in Canada is canceling airlines, air travel right now on some routes because they can't get enough people. However, they got money from the government which was intended to keep the people they have. But what they did is they spread it around to the shareholders, to the managers for bonuses. And they laid off their people. And now they're crying they can't get people to fly the jets or look after the jets. Because they let them go because the money they got from the government did not go where it was supposed to. A lot of companies used the money from the governments to, to buy back stock, to push their stock price even higher. It's beyond me why the governments choose to let these companies do it without putting restrictions on. I think every company that did a stock buyback, that gave money to their managers as bonuses to the shareholders and laid off people during this, they should be required to give all the money back. I would like to see that. Now, I haven't mentioned Afghanistan yet, so let's do that right now. I've had friends and family members, relatives, who went to Kandahar with, uh, as part of the Canadian Reserves, Canadian Military, RCMP, or city police officers. No, I can't say RCMP, but I know the RCMP officers went there. And they put in a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort. Because the Canadian soldiers were known as, as peacekeepers. It's a peacekeeping force. 
and they were building schools. They were dealing with the various uh, aspects of, of, of trying to help a society, and, and lots of times their hands were tied. There was a lot of graft over there, a lot of corruption. That being said, yes, I'm, I'm glad they're getting out. I would have liked to see a better performance for getting people out. There's a lot of people stranded there. I think Canada and the United States should bring people in who were interpreters or help, who are in danger at least from the Taliban. Now it's pretty hard to help a country that has, according to one report, 99% of its citizens uh, preferred that the Americans leave. I am not sure it's, it's going to be over though. There's three provinces or districts in Afghanistan that are fighting the Taliban right now. So, and I hate to say interesting, but I think we're going to hear more, more about fighting internal strife in that country. What it comes back down to is the first year that the Americans were there, the Taliban wanted to surrender. They even prior to that said, show us evidence that Osama was involved with the 9-11 buildings and we will hand them over. And the politicians, Eagle, uh, I'm not sure, led to an invasion. You know, they're going to write books on this stuff in history and history is going to be changed. All I know is these people should have been out of there years ago. It was a 20-year war. And they did what they said they would do during Obama's term and got Osama bin Laden. Either, lots of people said they didn't know what the mission was, was my understanding. So if you're going to do something like that, yes, you're going to have a plan and you got to know what the mission is. At the same time, let's quit bombing the Middle East. Let's quit screwing around there because you're just driving all the immigrants over into to the countries. they got no place to live. There's drought conditions down there. And then you're dealing with bombs. There's people who are running the drone program in the United States who got PTSD as a result of it, because they not only got the intended victim, they got the victim's family with the drone or collateral damage. It's not a video game, guys, I would say to the American government. If you can't do it properly, don't do it. I'm just saying. And a lot of carnage, a lot of a lot of money that went in, and and I know the the bomb companies, the um, war manufacturers, they made money. Don't kid yourself, they made money. Security contractors, they made money. Putting that money went into our countries, made them a better place. 
I don't know. That's my take on the Afghanistan thing. I'm not so sure I even want to talk about it, much like a lot of people, I think. I just find it a shame. It's all a shame. It's a big shame. Bit of a sham. But a shame nonetheless. So we get called to an election in Canada, federal election. Prime Minister Trudeau went to see the lieutenant governor and said, I guess I can't govern. Give me an election. And, and she gave him the election. Meanwhile, a lot of people are a little ticked off because he's still got two years left on his term. Almost three. We still have COVID. We have the Delta variant and there's one more variant that i believe lambda i i will research it and let you know next podcast that is rising in the united states and primarily the delta variant which apparently gets through is very easy to catch but if you've been vaccinated Apparently, you don't die from it, or let us hope not. How about that? So on the forest fires, the forest fires, especially in BC right now, there's 245 still going on, 53 around Prince George, fires 81 around Kamloops, southeastern part of the province, 62, Caribou eight, uh, region, 26, and on the coast, 18. In the northwest part of the province, there's five. So, battling that, Alberta is straightening out their forest fires because we got some rain out here. COVID, forest fires. And the one thing I want to talk about next podcast is the um, unemployment rate the jobs and some of these companies that say you know these guys are getting employment benefits sitting at home that's why we can't fill our low-paying job which is crap it's just crap raise your rate if you can't afford to raise your rate you can't afford to be in business my estimation my opinion but well, that's for next podcast. What I'd like you to do is have a wonderful week. Hope I didn't bring you down too much. I've been a little frustrated. I, I Maybe I'm housebound. I, I have been working from home. And uh, I, I'm personally starting to get fat. I need to uh, change my lifestyle up. I need to eat better. Sometimes I just run out to the fast food joints because it's so much easier, quick. So I'm not all there mentally or physically right now, and I, I need to change that, especially at my age. I hope you're looking after yourself. Hope you have some friends to talk to. I've got a group of friends I still talk to and stuff. I have one guy, though, and he, he was a soccer director for my community, and I was the baseball director, and we used to put tournaments on together. And we were all supposed to go for coffee, but, you know, COVID, right? So someone said, I, I heard he was in the hospital last year, 
And I think they took a couple of toes amputated because he's got diabetes. And someone said they seen him in January and he looked fine. Well, I just got a text a couple of days ago. And poor George, he, he's passed. Like out of the blue. And I wasn't really thinking of him in the last couple of months. Because our sports programs are down right now. They're trying. They're attempting to get him back on going. For, uh, keep the kids busy. Then he's passed. You know, and it's 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 sad. He was a he's a very nice fellow, and uh, he's a couple of years older than me. Going through school, he was a referee for hockey, for for soccer. And he a uh, soccer coach, and he went to provincials, and he was part of our athletic association, and he was good at ball too as well. What I'm trying to say is maybe reach out to a couple of friends you haven't heard from in a while who who might have been doing poorly last year, and just see see if they're doing fine now. Because getting that text or a phone call that somebody's passed away, um, as most of you know, that's not pleasant. And, um, yeah, just reach out and tell somebody, would you do that for me? I'd appreciate it, and your friend will appreciate it too. But, till next time, I'm North of 48. Thanks for listening. Bye.